I used to be one of these people that wanted a quick fix and I was quite impatient. Yeah. And if I was in a certain way, I just want one thing that I could do so that I could feel better like that, which now that I say out loud is <laughs> very unrealistic. <laughs> um, so the idea of scaling really trains you to, to understand that it's a process, you know, yeah. you can't just, you can't just click your fingers and feel better again. You, you have to sort of take responsibility for it and little by little, get yourself back up to that feeling and you might not manage it in a day it might take a couple and that's okay so hello welcome back to episode 14 of same shit different brain and the final episode of the first series it's actually the podcast's six month anniversary on the day i'm recording this which is the day before its release so it's not too late to send flowers but I wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening and thank you to everyone who's come on as guest and bared their soul which I'm so grateful for I really wanted to get talking to people again with this podcast and connect with them in a meaningful way after sitting with my own thoughts cut off from the world in lockdown I wanted to just share thoughts with each other instead and feel like we could all feel a bit less alone and more together and to be honest I felt like I was forgetting how to even interact with humans which can drive you a bit mad as I'm sure many of you will identify with after the last year and so now we're back at the most normal version of the new normal we've been at yet and I definitely feel far more connected with people than I did back when I started thinking of this podcast idea And I really look back fondly now on all of these episodes and the conversations that have been had with all of my lovely guests. And I hope to continue learning about people and what makes us tick and how we all go about keeping mentally healthy. And for the second series, I'm going to have more experts on, so hopefully we can all learn a little bit more from them too. So for this final episode, I had my friend Helen O'Hara on, who I went to acting classes with years ago after I moved back to Manchester from Spain. And we've stayed in touch and crossed paths various times in the acting world in Manchester since then. Helen was so brilliantly open about what she's gone through over the last year, being honest about the particular difficulties she's encountered how it felt to have to leave her friends behind who she lived with after seeing them struggle with various devastating events during lockdown and moving back in with her mum now and the day-to-day challenges she personally deals with mental health wise with some brilliant tips she's learned through therapy. She also spoke candidly and brilliantly about the specific pressures we face as women and how she's tried to find herself through all of that which a lot of us will 100% relate to. Helen's an unbelievable actor and we talked about what she's been doing and what she has coming up and her exciting new jazz band, The Villanelles. Check them out on the socials, which I'll link in the podcast description as they're all brilliant. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you've enjoyed the series and that I've managed to leave you with something that could be of help, perhaps. Your support really means a lot and if you have time i'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on apple podcasts as of this week i'm self-employed again so it's a brave new world for me as i balance freelance writing and working with more healthcare companies with trying to build up the podcast as much as i can and 
also getting back to the business of acting. I'm getting my new headshots this week in Halifax, which is an important one when you've been using a selfie you took in your backyard for ages, which probably ruins your chances of getting auditions before you've even started. Anyway, enjoy. Let me know what you think. Hi, Helen. Hello. You okay? I'm good. How are you, Becky? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's been ages, hasn't it, since the last saw you? It has, it has. How Apart from in the theatre, when you didn't know I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you know what it's like, don't you? When you're on stage, especially in that show, there's so much haze. Literally couldn't see yeah. even the first row, which is quite nice. But <laughs> it also meant that yeah. I got loads of messages from lovely people afterwards being like, oh, I was in the audience and stuff. I was like, oh, I had no idea. So thank you. Oh. For yeah, it's not the kind of show where you want to um, be distracted out of <laughs> your current state, is it really? Like so uh, deep in your emotions. It was so good, though. It was like I was saying to my friend who came on this a couple of episodes ago well I've not released it yet but he's a um, playwright and um well in his spare time and he was saying we're trying to steer away from anything too heavy post-covid yeah. and um because they were like I don't know how audiences would react but I was saying about um your show and I was just like it just felt so cathartic I think even though it was so heavily themed around grief like I know it wasn't originally intended for 2021 obviously so yeah. um, it was a pre-pandemic creation obviously but um yeah yeah it didn't feel inappropriate certainly um it felt it definitely felt like you could just collectively feel in the room that everyone had been through something I think and it just felt like sort of relief afterwards <laughs> and you just felt you just felt alive obviously that's what the theatre's for isn't it I like I, I expected to feel after it because I cried so much I expected to feel quite low after it but I really felt sort of energized and yeah that's that's just what it does to you doesn't it I mean it was my first time back in the data so I was obviously going to be excited but oh it's just so it was so good how was it for you it was yeah it was really really intense and, and emotional um yeah you can say that (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those things isn't it people listening that haven't seen the show um yeah will not be able to relate but but yeah it it was a great show to to have the opportunity to be in just because I think it it pushed me as an actor which was great especially because I've been cold for a year so it wasn't just hard to come back but to come back and yeah you know, have 80 pages of script and carry a show like that it was a really good like oh, training yeah. for me, so I was super grateful to have had the opportunity to do that but I'm not gonna lie it was also grueling yeah I bet. <laughs> physically and mentally uh yeah it was just, just the two of you as well like going through that together and just each other to play off and just intense all almost all the way through as well sure yeah and it was weird because the whole kind of circumstance around the production seemed to get more and more intense I mean as it was we had to kind of bubble which meant this really kind of intense existence Uh, for at least a 
you know, a couple of weeks before and then during the whole show. So that's like a six week period of really not seeing anyone else apart from in the cast because it wouldn't have been fair. And even yeah. though we were testing every day, if one of us had tested positive, that would have been it. And then, wow, so much pressure. Um, so much pressure, yeah. And then our director, her partner, um, it works in a, in, a, in a youth foundation, which obviously couldn't close during COVID and he had to go back to work and he ended up catching COVID. Oh, bear in mind, he'd been vaccinated twice as well. He really the week before the show. Yeah, many people don't know this. So uh, oh. think of this: Wednesday before the show, the show's opening on the following Monday, and tech and lights are yet to be decided. And the tech and the lighting uh, yeah. designers are coming in on Thursday. Wednesday, our director gets a text from a partner being like, "I've just tested positive," and she's like, "What?" Oh. <laughs> God, rehearsals went straight to a, a PCR place and booked some PCRs. Had some PCRs. Had to wait for those results. So we're all at home on like Thursday morning. Like, oh my god, the show might not be able to, you know, happen oh. um, after all of this. And then the Thursday afternoon, we get the results, and um, everyone's negative, including our director. But because she's living with someone who's positive, she had to stay home. So she literally hasn't met, never met the lighting designer. Uh, the oh, set designer God. or the tech uh, or the um yeah lighting designer sound designer sorry um yeah because they were coming on a thursday and so from zoom she had to like tech the show oh my word until two days after it opened so the whole thing became so intense <laughs> yeah it sounds like it wow so she could she even come to the show sorry when did you say she had to isolate her show opened on a Tuesday and she couldn't come till the Friday performance oh well at least she did get to come I guess she did, she but, did yeah but she was just dying to get in there wasn't she she was it was mad but yeah COVID COVID's been obviously it's been awful for everyone but it's been yeah it's been a funny one but yeah, yeah. you gotta roll with the punches I guess you, just, <laughs> you did the absolute best in those circumstances <laughs> Mental, mental. It felt a bit like the world around us was as surreal as the show. It was all a bit strange. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, no, it was amazing though, and the reviews were great from what I saw. So, is there like any plan to take it on tour or anything like that, or continue? It's there was yeah. originally, so there might be. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure. But, right. Um, cool. So, what you, what else are you doing at the moment? I saw you were at ITV yesterday, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's very, it's a very small thing. Um, I've had to sign an NDA, which is a bit silly. Really, it's tiny. Oh, so it's right, okay. Thing. But it's it's just a little tiny, genuinely tiny thing. Anyway, <laughs> but that's fun. So it's um, not a big exclusive then, hot off the press. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm even more intrigued. <laughs> it's really, genuinely, nothing to be intrigued about. Everyone's asking me. like you're playing it down. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny because I had a similar like tiny insignificant thing on Emmerdale a couple of years ago. And I also like videoed the Emmerdale logo and stuff because I've been thinking about like being an actor in a brand and you have to show these things on yeah, your like, yeah. profile, which naturally I wouldn't want to do because it's not really a big thing, but you have to and everyone gets dead interested and it's lovely. But it's Yeah, a lot of it's <laughs> so much around social now, isn't it? And it really like is. you said, building a profile around social, but... Like you say, when you have an NDA and things like that, you can't always reveal exactly what's going on. So, even if it seems a bit, a bit of tease, yeah, it's it's yeah. weird. Yeah, so that's um, that's nice. And then I'm working on a podcast at the minute myself, which I've told you about. Oh yeah, the gardening <laughs> podcast. So is yeah. that in with? 
Platfields Park is, is it? What's what's the name? Yeah. Of the park? Um, yeah, it's called Platfields Market Garden, and it's That's just it, in, yeah. in the. Um, I mean, we'll get to it in the podcast, I'm sure, when you ask. Yeah, ask yeah. It's going to be an answer to that, but yeah, um, I just decided cool. really that I thought it'd be really cute to share all the lovely stuff that goes there, goes on yeah. there, and um, just record people and stuff. And I'm really interested in editing anyway, and I'm a bit techie, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good getting into all that kind of stuff. I enjoy like the tech side of it, but then the creative side of it and social. I was a bit more sort of reticent around because I hate being on there too much but now that I'm getting like more passionate about pushing what people are revealing and stuff like that and the things that people are talking about I can see how I can use it for good and still keep boundaries for myself sort mm. of thing. so what made you want to start this um I think it's a mixture of things like I felt so help- helpless in the pandemic like particularly during the first lockdown um just sort of like worrying about people and worrying about people on their own and I was like what can I do and you can't do much really um and I was saying to someone a couple of weeks ago like I volunteered for these helplines um, and nothing came of it to be honest I don't know how I would have handled it if I if I'd ended up doing that because mm-hmm. I think I just thought oh I'm fine because I don't live on my own but I was still going through I'm still quite stressed myself and if I'd had to speak to people who were really going through I don't know if I would have been well equipped to yeah. help people I just wanted to sort of do something so it's sort of a mixture of that feeling like I wanted to do something and help people sort of just get their story out because it sort of feels like everyone's been through something obviously we have and everyone has sort of has something in common now it's like oh how did you find it and what did you um obviously how did your mental health fare from it that's what everyone talks about now um I just wanted to chat to people I think um just connect with people because it's just been we've all been so disconnected so yeah just it just sort of happened really quickly I was like I'm just gonna do it to be honest I've been thinking for a couple of years I'd love to do a podcast but I didn't really know what about and then it just started formulating in my head um Mm. and because I work in mental health in my job um I felt like I would come to a point where I sort of knew enough to be able to talk about it like off the cuff kind of thing so so yeah um here we are um so I'll kick a off. Great and yeah thank yeah, you thank you <laughs> I'll kick off with the first question um so how is your day going today my day is going um all right thank you I've spent the morning uh, editing uh, the first episode of a podcast I'm working on yeah, for Platfields Market Garden, which is a little community garden in the middle of Platfields Market, in the middle of Platfields Park, yeah, run by a social enterprise called Manchester Urban Diggers. And I found them just walking through the park one day because I used to live in Mossside mm. um, over the course of lockdown one up until the end of lockdown one and then for two years before that and I started volunteering there um, and met loads of just really interesting people from different walks of life and it it was all outdoors of course it was you know allowed with the covid rules and um, it was just really nourishing to be outside outside and I was just meeting a lot of different oh, people and a lot of different stories so yeah thought that would be a lovely thing to do um and so we've been working on that this morning and then I'm doing an R&D at the beginning of July oh yeah prepping, prepping for that a little bit learning a few lines um so yeah, brilliant 
quite a nice day, thanks. Yeah, sounds good. Is there any more you can say about the R and D or is that is that under No, yeah, I can't, yeah. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um Yep, so it's a new play called They Will Fuck You Up by someone called Martin Jameson. Okay. Um, he writes a lot for Casualty, but this is his first play. Right. And just through uh, Roger Haynes, who I don't know if you know, he runs JB Shorts. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I know what you mean. He knows me, and uh, Martin needed some actors in to do it. So I got asked, and that's happening at the beginning of July. And we're basically just exploring the play. It's a really interesting play about. Um, mm a young woman who's a real pro-Palestinian activist and it's between her relationship with her father and a wow. potential a potential terrorist act that she may or may not be involved in. And oh. the kind of line is between activism and protecting people and then, yeah, terrorism, activism, terrorism, depending on how you look at it. So it's really interesting yeah. play. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Related. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So is it at the stage of, not at the stage of having a venue or anything like that yet, or any day, it's just very early? Yeah, very early. Three days, and then I think there's a showing at 53.2 um, to like a socially distanced invited audience at the end of the R&D, so I think that's the 7th of July. Oh, okay, yeah. Is that um, part of the vignettes thing they're doing, or is that a different... No, vignettes is at Hope Mill, and that's Hannah Ellis who's running. Ah, that's right. That's yeah. This weekend and next week, I think. And that's a right, series of like yeah. 15 minute short plays. This is more like a, well, yeah, it'll just be script in hand situation. Right. <laughs> oh, it's just nice, isn't it? Now there's all this stuff going on again and yeah. getting involved, obviously as an actor, but even people getting to get out there and see stuff again. And especially after all the uncertainty of last year and it being like, what's going to happen to the industry? Like, obviously it's never going to die completely, but it's, it was very worrying for a long time. So it's just so nice to see like Manchester coming alive creatively again and everyone getting back out there and being able to do stuff. I am a bit worried just because obviously the fringe is one thing, but I think for emerging artists like us, the doors to the big playhouses are going to be shut mm. for longer than they ever would have been because to get really bums on seats you know, you can't put the likes of, of me or anyone else, you know, in a, in a play at West Yorkshire Playhouse or Sheffield Crucible or the Royal Exchange because, you know, they're not going to sell the tickets. Yeah, they're going to try and get yeah, the big, so, big yeah, so Yeah, so Fringe is, is all well and good, but you can't live from it. So no, the industry hasn't died, but it... <laughs> <laughs> not to be super negative but no I know what you mean there's still still yeah. a ways to go definitely sure, yeah sure. it's gonna be a hard few years I think mm. but we live in hope <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say on that <laughs> um, so what are the things that impact your mental health the most number one exercise mm. yeah I spent lockdown one and two ignoring the fact that I knew exercise would really help me. Yeah. And then lockdown three sorted myself out and really got into a weight training habit. So like three to four to five oh, times yeah. a week. Oh, cool. That really transformed everything for me. Um, body, mind. Um, it's been, it's been really good. So I'd say that's number one. Number two, food, nutrition. Mm. Yeah, 
I'm a veggie anyway. Um, I'm quite a good cook. So it's not necessarily a question of not knowing what to eat, but of really finding the impulse to cook and make something special for yourself, like as an act of self-love, not as a chore because you know you should do. And reframing it like that, I think really helped me because yeah. I can cook for myself. Um, and sometimes I couldn't be bothered, but that was really affecting my mental health. So I reframed it a little bit in my mind and then noticed that that was helping. Um, and then number three, I think sleep. Mm. it's a big one it's, yeah it's so big as well especially when you don't have to get up in the mornings yeah no it's really easy to stay up till three and watch all of those series that you've been putting on the back burner because you haven't had time <laughs> and definitely fallen foul of that so um getting into a good sleep rhythm and sorting out my sleep hygiene has been been really transformative Although right now I'm in a really bad sleep routine, so I don't want to make out that I've got it all cracked and sussed because I definitely have. Oh yeah, I don't think any of us have. <laughs> yeah, loads of people have mentioned sleep. It's just, um, it's like it's what we always knew, but I think everyone's just had a bit more space to realise how much better they could feel if they did lead um, a sort of slower paced life where they maybe had space to get better sleep more often, but. Um, there's still sort of it's not like we're out of it and there's still a lot to keep us awake like even if we try and get into a good routine like for me I'll still try and sort of have really healthy habits through the week and have like a relaxed evening but I still might be not be able to sleep and that's sort of not like me normally um you do notice the difference the next day don't you when you start getting into bad patterns again um and then like debating the next day, like, do I have a lie in or do I just start the day and do a bit of exercise and feel better and feel my mood uplifted? But um, yeah, it's yeah, like- yeah, I don't know about you, but my mood is completely different if I haven't slept well. Oh, yeah. Like, my ability to be able to resist certain temptations or to do the things that I know I need to do is so much weaker if I haven't slept. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it affects everything. Um in ways that I probably wouldn't have even noticed before. Um, so it's really worth just trying to sleep a bit longer. Things like naps, like people have mentioned naps. Like I wouldn't have taken naps before, but if I need it now, I like I'll try and have one because it can You're make- a napper. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it can really I do struggle with it. Like I'll try every so often and it might just be me lying down and closing my eyes, but I think even that can make a difference. But yeah, whatever whatever you can get, I think. <laughs> um, and what would you tell other people that are struggling with their mental health? I'd say sort out your sleep hygiene. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like that's the foundation for everything. Yeah. It and all to, starts with that, I think, doesn't it, in a lot of ways? It does. Yeah, but we're often told that it starts with eating right or the exercise mm. but in my experience and I think in a lot of other people I know's experience if you've slept really well and enough so we're talking like at least seven hours if not eight some people yeah. eat nine the motivation to actually do the exercise or to cook that meal won't be Definitely. there and your like emotional regulation capacity will be so much more reduced yeah um, but yeah I would say one thing sleep and yeah no screen before an hour before bed yeah yeah definitely 
they are the basics that really make a difference. Mm. Also, I think writing things down as well. I've always resisted that a lot. Yeah. Kind of quite boring, but <laughs> in the pandemic, when you can't just go to a bar or oh, exactly. call your friend, because um, I don't know about you, but I had a few people have dealt with the pandemic differently and some people have kind of cut off their yeah. connection and some people have done it more so you know that's fine but yeah, yeah it hasn't always been as easy to reach out or to reach people um so I think writing things down as well and getting your thoughts clear and really trying to distill what it is that you're feeling um yeah that's what I would say as well to people struggling that's what I do yeah definitely I mean when I was a teenager I would just it came so naturally um yeah, my diary all the time like how I was feeling like obviously it's such an emotional time you, you've only just started discovering your emotions but now like I've really kept it up since probably since a few months before the pandemic actually I'd already got into an all, an all right habit more regular since the pandemic actually but I find that when I sit in my room and I write in my journal it sort of takes me back to being a teenager it's like a really nice feeling and I always feel better after it um and I'll do it like regularly anyway sort of as as a preventative I guess measure but then also if I'm in a bad mood and I feel like really overwhelmed go away and journal about it and it always does help me to feel a bit more balanced I think Mm. and then you can refer back to it as well like it's really useful to absolutely track like how you've been feeling and how you've been reacting to different things and when you realize that you might not have been coping so well or or you were um it's really useful keeping in touch with yourself I think definitely it can be hard I think maybe for people who don't naturally do that I think as actors we're probably quite emotionally inquisitive and literate anyway so it might come easily to us so maybe for people that are struggling who don't know how to do that or find it difficult they probably won't like this either but I'd say try a therapist try and find a therapist um that's a big Definitely. and that's not one size fits all either um but talking to someone professionally about it is probably a really good definitely I don't know why I'm being coy I think <laughs> yeah yeah because there's a there's definitely still a stigma of there has to be something wrong to go to a therapist but yes. I don't think there's anyone that wouldn't benefit from it um Agreed. if anyone that even if you know they don't have a condition or they, don't, they haven't been diagnosed with anything they're going to benefit from knowing themselves better and digging a bit deeper into themselves and everyone's got something everyone's got a thing that they could definitely benefit from talking about I'm sure like there's no sort of completely perfect mindset that's sort of come about without some kind of talking treatment I don't think absolutely and I think it's really difficult to be aware completely of your thought patterns unless you have the experience of sitting with a trained professional who can mirror it back to you and lay it out for you I mean I think there's a misconception I think a lot of people think that therapists are there to judge you or to tell you what to do or not to do yeah but they're just there to sort of expose your thinking to you and so that Mm. you can decide and observe it and I really don't think that process is possible on your own I just I really don't think so. Maybe some people don't need that, but I think most people would really benefit from it. Yeah, definitely. I saw something the other day where it said we're operating 
all of the time, like 90% from our subconscious. And it's yes. really hard to figure out what's going on in your subconscious without therapy or without some kind of sounding board. Well, most likely therapy or counseling. Um, and that can just help you figure out so much stuff, why you do what you do, why you think you might have done what you did in the past or why you think certain things or react certain way, have certain beliefs that are sort of driving all of your behaviors and all of that like it's just so useful and so interesting 100 percent. all of those things are like a result of conditioning and the behaviors that we've been modeled by our primary caregivers yeah. and so there'll always be something there to unpick and it's nearly impossible for us to do that without a stranger being like okay so I'm hearing this and this and this because how could you do that by yourself and I think I read that too was it Dr Nicole LaPera yeah is she, is she the holistic therapist, therapist yeah, the, the name? Yeah, psychologist on on insta yeah and she's just yeah. the work which i've just started reading yeah oh amazing woman amazing yeah I, f- I hear her being talked about all the time now and i've noticed like loads of people that i know like in the post um definitely yeah. the book it's incredible if you're interested in well just anything to do with mental health but specifically yeah. like trauma and just a new view on trauma because trauma's traditionally been viewed as this quite sort of simple phenomenon of like a terrible accident or some form of really extreme abuse. And she really reframes it having so many different insights um, and kind of experiences of different kinds of therapies um, and like almost a bit of spirituality in there and reframes it and says that actually it's a very complex thing and it's not necessarily about what has happened, but how the person responds. And mm-hmm. trauma can also encompass things like neglect or just other things that, you know, a lot of people might might expel as kind of not bad enough to traumatize. Yeah. So it's, or it's like grief, even like most people will go through grief and that's going to that can result in trauma, you know, if it's not dealt with in a certain way so so many different things doesn't it it doesn't have to be that awful death of someone it could be any kind of really profound loss yeah Um, and so yeah she's it's an incredible book yeah I haven't read hers actually yeah I need to get hers on my list yeah it looks really good um so what oh hello (laughs) okay I love it <laughs> I never noticed he doesn't like me talking to anyone and ignoring him. But I have to leave the door open because he'll just start barking outside for me to notice him. Oh, I love him. He's crouching down. He's oh. <laughs> he had. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's fresh. <laughs> Made himself known now. <laughs> um and what's your coping method when you're having a rubbish day? I know you've like touched on it a little bit with those go-to things in your toolkit so I do a thing called scaling which I learned from my therapist and it's where you you have a, a few go-to things that you do to try and make yourself feel a bit better and you do them and then you see how much better you feel and if you don't feel quite better enough then you try another thing and for me they're things like having a shower yeah going to walk putting on a song or making some nice food or having sleep yeah <laughs> depending on what's available what's possible uh talking to a friend as well or seeing a friend 
I haven't heard of that. Scaling, did you say? Yeah, so the idea is just that, oh yeah, it's, it's, it comes from so psychotherapy and it's just the idea that you've got a scale of happy to sad and right, yeah. assessing where you are on that scale roughly and then seeing what, you know, how, what activity moves you up. So say you have a shower and you're like, okay, I was a five, now I'm a seven, uh, I get back up to that 10. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's just Yeah, that. that sounds really useful because it could be, it's always kind of like the basics, but the basics are so easy to forget that they can have a big impact. Um, like even with a shower, like sometimes I might just get on my day and put off having a shower and not realise actually I feel really nice after I've had a shower and the hot water is like so therapeutic for me um, and you just feel it's nice. Really well. Actually, that's real. That actually resets your nervous system. That's like telling wow. your body there's a temperature change going on so it's actually not you just feeling better it's your body genuinely having a reaction to that like a chemical reason for that it's really interesting yeah it is because um you can sort of get disconnected from your body can't you and I think anything that you can do physically obviously there's exercise but um anything's like that that are really sort of tangible and as soon as it has a nice impact on your body and makes you feel better physically that all definitely improve your state of mind I think absolutely and the idea of it being a scale I think was really nice for me because I think before therapy which I started about two years ago now I used to be one of these people that wanted a quick fix and I was quite impatient yeah and if I was in a certain way I just want one thing that I could do so that I could feel better like that which now that I say out loud is <laughs> very unrealistic <laughs> um, so the idea of scaling really trains you to to understand that it's a process you know yeah you can't just you can't just click your fingers and feel better again you you have to sort of take responsibility for it and little by little get yourself back up to that feeling and you might not manage it in a day it might take a couple and that's okay so yeah I think accepting that you're in that process and accepting that it's fine if you don't feel completely happy or like in your best state that's sort of part of it isn't it because you can really beat yourself up if you're not in sort of the correct emotional state but we all have ups and downs and it can sort of make you feel a bit more control over it I guess if you have that little toolkit of things and to know that you're in the process of getting back up there that that gives you hope and um just makes you feel a bit empowered again I think which is good Mm. for self-esteem as well Absolutely. Yeah. And for understanding it as a process rather than like a a switch, which is either kind of on or off, which just isn't very useful because yeah. then you kind of bring yourself down again, don't you? Or at least I used to when I was like, oh, it hasn't helped. Right. Exactly. And what's been your biggest challenge during lockdown? There have been a couple, as I'm sure there have for many. Um, I think loneliness has definitely been one. Yeah. I was living with friends during lockdown and have been for a while. And um, yeah, people had their own stuff going on. Um, yeah. My housemates, actually, his mum was diagnosed with terminal cancer at the beginning oh. of lockdown one, and he kind of couldn't see her, and we were all locked in together. Oh, God. It was just incredibly difficult and sadly she's like passed away now and stuff. Oh, wow. But um 
yeah, I just sort of watched a, a good friend kind of change in front of me. And I can't imagine what he must be going through and what was what he was going through during that time. But it was yeah. it was a really lonely time. I was living with, you know, two friends, but I felt more alone than I've ever felt, which was really weird. Right, yeah. Really weird. <laughs> I thought, yeah. And I know that's happened to loads of people, but um, yeah, it's bizarre. And then I think financially as well, um, it's really difficult. I was working for my side hustle. I was working for a reception firm. Do you know, I'm just going to out them. They're called LAH Property Marketing. I don't care. And I worked for them yeah. for two years, self-employed. And I wanted to be put on PAYE just before the furlough scheme kicked in because I thought, oh. Ah, uh, yeah. And um, that day they just let us go and didn't give us any furlough. And then... Oh, my God. Really so financially, it was just so difficult. And I've, like, had to move home to my mum's now. Um. Oh, right. Okay. That's terrible. <laughs> no, that, I mean, yeah, you're allowed to vent about it. That, that's what it, that's what this is for. Um, yeah, I, I lost a role before I even started, just before the first lockdown. And I had a similar thing where I asked my previous employer if they could put me on the furlough because I would have been eligible but they didn't mm-hmm. want it for PR reasons. They said, we're not putting, we're not failing people. We don't want it in the news. So I was like, great. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and it was just like, I think I saw these other people being like, oh, I'm just going crazy spending in lockdown and treating myself to all these purchases because I'm not going out. So I'm just doing loads of online shopping. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that would be it's nice, but that's not happening for me. <laughs> Yeah, that was really calling, especially when you've worked for someone for a while or, well, I mean, in your case, nevertheless, you were eligible. That's, that, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, anything yeah. else, eligible for that support and you weren't getting it. And it's just. It's so stressful, isn't it? On top of everything else as well, like you don't want to be worrying about the absolute basics like that, which, that make you feel even less secure. Um, and you just don't know what the hell is going to happen next in terms of like on a global scale but just for your own like just getting by like surviving as well yeah yeah it just yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah it's um yeah it's just been it feels like last year has just been like a decade like so so much stuff like that we would never even had to have had to process in years and years and everyone's just kind of it's amazing really that when you think about it like obviously it's had such an impact on so many people but we've dealt with things that we never would have had to deal with and people have never really had to deal with before so I think everyone's done pretty amazingly you know um gotcha if you told me a year ago that my life was going to change you know that I was going to move back home uh lose the two most important sort of friendships in my life yeah um it would have I wouldn't have believed it it's crazy no crazy yeah it really is um so on that note what has been a surprise positive of lockdown for you (laughs) well in the middle of lockdown one um I founded a band with another actress called Katie Marie Carter. Oh, yeah, the jazz band, the Villanelles. The Villanelles, yeah. 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 It looks um, so good. I've seen some of your videos. I saw the Rishi Sunak one. The oh! One. So good. 
That was just a little, yeah, just a little thing. But yeah, we're hoping to, well, we're going to film a music video at the end of July. Yeah. You've got Matt and Fred's dating, haven't you? Oh, was that where you did the photo shoot? Is that why you were back? Yeah, that's where we're filming the video as well. Um, And then, yeah, we'll, we'll probably be on at Matt and Fred's but like later in the later in the year at some point we haven't yeah haven't scheduled any gigs here because it's been really difficult to rehearse and we were yeah. rehearsing probably in the summer when it was all allowed and then obviously it fell apart and various stuff and everyone's okay but yeah it was just difficult but it's been a, a lovely positive and yeah. I knew yeah it was me and Katie we wanted to found the band and then we had to find another vocalist and we had to find all the musicians. And it was really difficult actually to find female musicians, um, especially like for drums and stuff, because there aren't many female drummers. Right, yeah. Especially in lockdown. Um, but we did yeah. it. We were just emailing around and friends of friends and things like this. And, Brilliant. Um, yeah, it's, there we go. So that's, that's been a real positive and I'm super happy. Yeah, huge positive. How did it actually, so were we already in lockdown when you put this together? Was it something that you were already, you'd already spoken about or? We'd already spoken about about it and me and Katie had been working on, on some things before lockdown. Um, yeah, I was thinking, sorry. And, yeah, uh, it's okay. It's a lot to uh, cast your mind back <laughs> to that. <laughs> the halcyon days of lockdown one. <laughs> <laughs> and then August 2020, me and Katie made this like little social media call out for a vocalist. So we found our vocalist. Um, everyone gave us like online audition tapes, which was really funny because we were then suddenly on the other side of the table, almost <laughs> in the casting director's position. Yeah. To see oh tape. yeah, but that was fun. <laughs> oh my god, it was so much fun. <laughs> Some people there was there was a whole spectrum. It was brilliant. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so interesting to see how you give people a set of instructions and some people just don't follow them. <laughs> them out straight away. And I'm just like, this is so interesting. I never <laughs> thought this would actually happen. And also, why aren't I getting more parts? Fuck it out. <laughs> 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 I'm joking. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> 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 a great process though. It was very... Yeah, but... And then, yeah, August we had the vocalist, and then um, we knew a bassist, double bassist, Alice, who's fab. And we knew, no, that was it. We only knew the the bassist, and then everyone else we kind of had to find. We wrote to RNCM, did call outs on social media, and then September the 1st, I think, we had a socially distanced rehearsal 2020. And then we were rehearsing until about November, and then someone got COVID, and then it fell apart. And then we're going to start rehearsals again, I think, next month. So, um, oh, bro, so it's all coming alive again. That's good. I definitely need to come and watch you. You're all ace. Like, I've seen like the other videos as well, not just the, <laughs> the parody ones aimed at the government. <laughs> the best. <laughs> but it's great to have like another outlet, isn't it? And I think a good thing for a lot of people is they did kind of get creative, especially people who, you know, were actors. Um, and they wanted to see what else they could do with their time um, that wasn't just, I guess, filming self-tapes, which I know a lot of people did, social media as well. <laughs> That's all lockdown one was, wasn't it? Just monologues <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, I didn't do any, but bloody hell, I couldn't move for them. It was intense. 
I was looking at my archives the day, I can't remember why, and um, I don't know whether you ever saw it, but I did these Joe Exotic videos. <laughs> I know, I didn't see this. <laughs> and I was watching them the other day thinking, what the hell was I doing? Like, it made a lot of people laugh. I was like making up little skits that Joe Exotic was like aiming them at Carol Baskin. And I was like, it's sort of brilliant in a way, because as soon as I start working again, I sort of feel like I'm out of that creative space. Like, and I wasn't doing it for any purpose like it wasn't you know applying for a job um that was going to have an outcome it was just doing it for myself I guess and to make people laugh but it's it's funny when you get put in that situation like to see what you actually do with it I mean I lost my mind clearly (laughs) we all did did, yeah (laughs) um and what's one thing you wish someone would do when you're having a bad day listen yeah I think often people try and chip in with their own bad experience Mm. and actually that isn't listening because that doesn't make the other person feel heard it's it's usually meant with great intentions but it it kind of pisses me off (laughs) um so yeah I think listening would be nice mm. also not coming in with any oh well, what about all of this that's really positive and you should think about that and yeah like not that. helpful well not helpful it doesn't no no even no. if it is with the best intentions like you say it's um because then you feel sort of guilty for even saying anything yeah absolutely yeah and yeah as you say, it's hard at the best of times not to compare your your problems with other people's, which is just not useful. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's difficult when other people tell you to look on the bright side and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's what I really yeah. yeah, I was talking about the last one that I did actually was saying how you, you hear a lot more now about, like, you don't have to try and fix people's problems rather than just listening is enough. And I've probably... I completely get that because I know how you do just want to be listened to. You don't necessarily always need a solution that can sort of irritate you a bit more, but I've probably done it myself. Like if my friends told me they have a problem and I've tried to fix it and offer solutions because I just want to do something, but they, they don't really want that. Like they, they could figure it out on their own. It's just, it's the same premise as therapy. Like it's just, you need, they need a sounding board and then yeah, that helps them do. get clarity over it. Yeah. That's it. I read, there was this post on Twitter. I can't remember who it was now. And it, it was just a very short post. And it was some social psychologist or someone saying that the thing that's saved his marriage is a question that him and his wife ask each other when they're having a bad day. And it oh, was, really? yeah. And I think the question is, do you want comfort or solutions? Right. And every time someone's having a bad day, they ask each other that. And it seems to avoid arguments because obviously if you say, I want solutions, then you can chime in with all the, well, why don't you do this and that and let's make a plan. And if you want comfort, yeah. the other person knows to just go, sorry, that sounds really crap and listen. That's huge, isn't it? That's that's a really good technique because sometimes it can be as simple as you need a hug and that can solve so many things like, other times you might just need you don't feel strong enough to 
are in the right clarity of mind to think of a solution to a problem and then you maybe you do need a solution so yeah yeah that's a really good idea actually I haven't heard that before um what's the best thing you ever did for yourself do you think start therapy yeah yeah it's a huge one it's massive yeah I just don't think I knew myself no if I think back to two years I was just fumbling around in the dark yeah (laughs) that's definitely what it's like really isn't it um just not not being able to dig a bit deeper because you don't even know how Mm, not even know why you react in certain ways or why certain things make you feel in certain ways yeah yeah I think that was the best thing I think it's really changed everything for me yeah just deciding to do it is sort of the biggest step isn't it and it's it sounds like a really scary thing um probably even more so if someone's not even thought about doing it at all yet but then once you start it it's just you think why did I put it off for so long (laughs) didn't need to be obviously it's hard it is hard um but it's it's just you get so much out of it for the rest of your life as well you do changes everything it can be rocky um just in the sense that it's not a one size fits all so I had I tried CBT twice and it just didn't work for me because I needed an approach which was more going back to to certain childhood traumas and and unpacking them yeah it was much more sort of treating treating symptoms um and habits and things like that um which are kind of all based in some sort of rational response to something whereas like trauma responses are not based in anything rational and no emotional regulation and stuff so it can be hard as well there's all this talk and access to therapy now and I think for a lot of people they might just be like oh well it's all the same and they might start certain therapy and think this isn't really working for me and then think that therapy itself is not good so I think that's important to talk about as well that I had to do CBT twice um, under the NHS not like it not find it helpful at all and then go and find uh, go and do some research myself and then go and find a psychotherapist yeah Uh, so yeah it's great but it's always something can be a bit hard to but before it can it can be hard to establish or find the right therapist I think that's what I'm trying to say yeah <laughs> definitely especially like if if people don't know anyone else that's done it and they're just starting yeah. from scratch like um any kind of awareness that can help people be great like we were saying this similar thing me and my friend Christy on another episode is not released yet but we were saying the same thing about CBT. You sort of still feel like you're not being allowed to say all the things that you need to say and you're really not allowed to dig deep enough because you're just constantly going with a list of things that have happened that day or that week. And like, it's all based around those tasks for coping skills, but it's like, you're not digging into the reason why you're having those anxieties and those worries. And you're not just, it all changes when you can suddenly go back and you're like, whoa like all these revelations start coming out um I mean like the tools from CBT can can still be very useful I think for people who do incorporate them into I think most counseling and talking therapies as well like elements of them um so it's good to get into habit with them but yeah just just 
uncovering sort of all your subconscious and all the past and everything like that. It all starts with childhood, doesn't it? So anything that can help you to do that is the thing that's going to help you really get to know yourself, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And change lifelong habits and patterns of behaviour. Yeah. It's going to break it. Yeah, and understand why, yeah, why you are the way you are and forgive yourself a little bit and... Yeah. All of that. A lot of it. I like a lot of people talk about their inner child now, don't they? Um, and there's a, I always kind of knew the concept, but didn't realize how important it is to get in touch with that part of yourself and realizing that probably all your life, especially people who haven't really gone through therapy or anything like that, there still will be appeasing that inner child in some way or reacting as that inner child. So it really takes that work, I think, to get to know that part of yourself yeah it's such an abstract concept really isn't it and we spend most of our lives unlearning all of that lovely childhood natural instinct that we're just born with because it doesn't fit into the to the quiet polite society of adults that that we're supposed to be in so exactly yeah it's really difficult to find yeah yeah once you do it it's (laughs) it kind of gets worse before it gets better but it does, yeah. It's, uh, it's so worth it. Yeah, it really, really is. It's life-changing. Um, and what's one thing you'd want to tell the younger you, the younger Helen? I've written a few down. Um, oh, good. I'll do two. Yeah. The first one is, you know yourself better than anyone else knows you. Mm-hmm. So trust yourself because up until probably I started therapy I could never really make my own decisions mm. I think really deep down I always needed some sort of approval from my mum and maybe my friends and any sort of disapproval from them it would make me not take a certain decision even if yeah well, I don't think I could hear what my voice was to be really honest with you um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and that that's crazy. And I don't know when I lost it, but it must have been really early on because through therapy now I've started to almost awaken this voice inside me and this gut instinct, which honestly for like all of my adult life I've not had. And I think that's come from not trusting myself and not even thinking that I can make decisions on my own. So if I could tell my younger self one thing, it would, it would be that. <laughs> and then the other thing as well, I think you're enough don't know what your other yeah. guests have said the same um, that's that's a really good one yeah because yeah. I mean it's the most important relationship of your life isn't it the relationship with yourself and it's so easy to not not only neglect it but not even think about it not give it enough consideration in the first place so yeah trusting yourself is a huge thing yeah I was the same I, I told myself I was bad with decisions because I didn't even trust myself to make decisions. And then right. I was just like, I'm going to stop saying that. I'm just going to make decisions and be confident in them. Um, you know, it doesn't mean I'm always 100% sure, but yeah, I just have to have like conviction in yourself. And like you say, you know yourself That's better than... Though, isn't it? Not being 100% sure for some reason. Yeah. Especially like the patriarchy and being women of a certain age and you know certain role models that we haven't had and things like that 
we've definitely mm. been taught that if we're going to make a decision and the consequences are maybe some sort of failure that that's like the worst thing in the world yeah maybe men <laughs> are not mm. somehow as afraid of it because they don't have to be so afraid no. of where I don't know um, I was listening to Stephen Bartlett's podcast Diary of a CEO recently oh, and he yeah. that Obama has this quote in one of his books that says 51% security certainty is enough to make a decision wow yeah, 100% just be 51 make the decision and then if it's not working out you change it then and I just thought oh. that's so telling isn't it like yeah I've just said that word without even thinking about it. Like, oh, I'm not always 100% sure. Like, I guess no one ever is, are they? No, but for some reason, you feel the need to be. And I completely understand that because in everything else, we have to be extremely attractive, extremely well qualified, extremely experienced, you know. Bloody hell, of course we have any respect. Because we just don't get a chance otherwise. Do you know what I mean? Wow. And, and men don't feel guilt the same either if something does go wrong. Like women feel guilt so much more, like constantly. So that fear of failure is just absolutely magnified, I think. Absolutely, because I think we're defined by, I don't know how many of us put this. I feel like being a woman and being an accepted woman is much more of an absolute thing than it is for, for a lot of men, because it's all wrapped up in not just the way we look or what we do, but also whether we're mothers and just, you know, everything else. Whereas for a man, I think the defining feature is, are you good at what you do or not? Everything else seems to not matter at all. No. And there's just such a lot of pressure if you've got oh, everything about you that matters and then you do something wrong it's like well you as a person are a failure not just oh you failed in that one thing and I think that I don't, yeah I've had a lot of time to think about that for lockdown and I think that's, that's quite yeah true. no you've, you've hit the nail on the head there was something in the Guardian yesterday I don't know if you saw it I think it was Hattie Gladwell I think the writer is um she wrote about it might have been an ex- excerpt from a book she's written actually um just on the there's like a myth about women having to have children by their mid thirties. That's actually based on a French study. That's like hundreds of years old, but doctors will still adhere to it. And they'll still tell women they're geriatric mothers. If, if, if they're over 35, when really there's not actually enough evidence that time's running out for them. It's just another way of pressuring women. And yet men are allowed to, it's accepted they can have babies like as they get much older than women and there's no kind of perception that their bodies might just stop working and being able to reproduce yeah Mm. i'll send it to you it was it was really good (laughs) but yeah that's that's a good one i think you are enough is something that women definitely need to tell ourselves much more yeah and young women as well because we're really taught still sadly that we're not enough yeah we need to be more whatever's in fashion at the time usually thinner (laughs) yeah exactly usually thinner and usually more beautiful and usually more hardworking and more sexually attractive as well yeah 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, even myself feeling like, you know, I've done a lot of learning around it and like self-development and considering myself feminist and all of that, it's still, I still would find it hard to 100% believe that I am enough if I said that to myself. I still sort of feel like I'm saying it because I'm trying to convince myself and I know that's so wrong, but yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of confidence work, self-belief, I think. For sure. And I think that's the process. I think you do just have to say it and say it and say it and not believe it and not believe it and not believe it until one day you do. Yeah. Horrible, icky, messy, eggy, unlearning (laughs) process. Yes. It's just the way it is. <laughs> it is, yeah. You just just got to go through it, go through the, the muck and the mire. <laughs> but it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and last question, what's your go-to song that always lifts your day? September by Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh, good choice. I like it. Get you dancing. Are you going to cover that one with the band? <laughs> we will do. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be on the on the wedding set. It's going to be great. Brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you very much. That was amazing. I really enjoyed the chat. Oh, me too. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you being so open and all of your useful advice and insight. And I look forward to seeing what's next and coming to see you either with the Villanelles or on your next show. Oh, thanks, Becky. Um, yeah, all the best with this. I can't wait to thank you to hear it. And um, yeah. Oh, and when's the first podcast out? Oh, it's gonna be out next week. Oh, that. great! I'll look out for <laughs> that then. So, do you have guests on on it or not? Is it what format yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. We have guests. Yes, yeah, so it's just a well. Um, what do you call it? Not a, a, an interview. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I'm familiar. Yeah, <laughs> you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds good. I'll look out for it. I need to get over to that um, garden. Actually, it looks lovely. It looks really nice. Like really peaceful place. I can't believe I've never never been. I was going to say I think it'd be right up your street, and you can bring Cashy, your wife, and they do um, hot food and like amazing coffee and pastries. Eleven till four, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, so well, so good. It's so good. Yeah definitely recommend cool well thank you <laughs> helen i'll um speak to you soon have All enjoy right. the rest of your day thank you you too take care thank you bye